Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We're now at the second week of our series on Tayo or Tayo, however you'd like to read it. Tayo means to stand and to build. Tayo means together. So the idea is actually to be able to stand and build together. So tayo, tayo. The reason for this series is because we're now, you know, with all faith, we'd like to be able to say this, we're now at the tail end, towards the tail end of the pandemic. Praise God, come on. It's, they're now talking about level zero. They're talking about the possibility of us being able to once again resume uh, our regular activities, the way we used to. And, you know, of course, it were, th- that means, for those of you who are uh, in the medical profession, that means this whole pandemic now transforming or becoming an endemic. Uh, something that's just in the population, something just like the common flu. And that's something that we're believing God for. It's like deliverance. Deliverance from this disease, from this scourge, from this plague. And, you know, we're at the tail end of that now. We're believing God for new things coming in the next season. Which is why we're building together. It is now the season that we will build the nation together. And as we build the nation together, both economically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, the past two years has really done a number on us as a people. And yet God is faithful. God is going to help us stand up again. God is going to help build our families again. And the things that you seem to may have lost in the past uh, two years, God is able to return back to you more Multiplied. The goal is though, the goal is though, hopefully in this time, you've been able to experience the gospel in a greater way and we're even bolder to be able to preach the gospel to our families and friends. So once again, welcome to this series called Tayo or Tayo. Now as, as we talk about that, and I appreciate Pastor Ian for preaching the message last week. You know, he talked about, we talked about Haggai chapter 1. We're talking about the book of Haggai uh, in, in these four weeks, three more weeks okay, remaining. As we talk about the book of Haggai, where, you know, the prophet Haggai was speaking to the nation of Israel to be able to instruct them to first build the temple before they build their own houses. And the idea there is before we even take the next steps to build our own homes and build our nation, let's first build God's house. For that is how God will bless us indeed. So with that, I'd like to ask you now to turn your Bibles with me to Haggai chapter 2 as we read from verses uh, verses 1 to 9. Haggai chapter 2. We'll read from verse 1 to 9. Now, I, I really enjoy this part of the message. Just being able to read the passage and letting the word speak to you. Because in itself, you know, the word has a lot to say already. The Bible has a lot to say already. And I pray that as we read the passage and enjoy it together, you yourself uh, will be able to experience God's word ministering to you already. So I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to pray. It says here in verse 1, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Verse 2, Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Verse 4. Yet now be strong. O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong. O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. 
Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations, all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. In verse 9, I need you to catch this. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word. That's encouraging. Lord, I'm praying now that we would be able to receive it indeed. That we'd be able to see how you are encouraging us to continue in the work of obedience that we've already begun in. Lord, thank you for the way that you promised that the latter glory of what you're building will be even greater than what we've seen in the past. And Father, we would like to be able to embrace that, Lord, not just individually, not just for our family, but even for our nation as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, as we talk about uh, this week, I appreciate what Pastor Ian uh, preached last week. The idea of God being first. I love that. That in whatever initiative you might have, is God simply an afterthought? Or would it be great for Him to be the forethought? For God to be your first thought when it comes to how to live your life as an individual, how to lead your family or participate in your family, and how you could be a citizen or a leader or whatever function in society you might be uh, serving in. The idea that may God be your first thought, your forethought, not just an afterthought, just not just an afterthought, God being first and then God defining. In fact, we saw from Haggai 1 last week that it would be great for you to first realign your efforts towards building God's house rather than prioritizing building yours. Because as you just build yours, that's not aligned with building God's house, what happens is that you experience futility. Your efforts come to nothing. Pero, kapag ibinigay mo ang buhay mo when you give your life completely to the building first of God's house, which means the pursuit of God's purpose first for your life, then realigning your family and every initiative you have towards God's kingdom purpose, when you do that, inevitably God builds your house. So that was a huge principle. I pray that we were able to get that from last week because that's foundational to what we'll continue to talk about now. I'd like to mention this. Huh? Have you begun obeying God and yet it did not turn out well despite you taking a huge step of faith? Have you done that? You know, you responded to God, given your life to God, and then you began obeying. For example, Lord, this particular relationship, it's an ungodly one. So Lord, I'm letting go. I'm breaking it up. God, I'm taking a huge step of faith. But after four weeks, you're crying yourself to sleep still. And Lord, my life seems purposeless without him, without her. Why is obeying you so difficult? <laughs> um, have you experienced that ever? Or something along those lines? <laughs> If you've taken a step of faith, okay, God, I'm going to give my finances. Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to give my tithes and my offerings. And as I do that, but Lord, man, after two to three months, tragedy hits your business. And here you are, you're actually contemplating, what was that for anyway? I, 
I thought God will bless me when I take a step of faith. That's exactly the situation of the Israelites in the story of Haggai chapter 2. So let's go back to that now. Um, go back to that passage in verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. God wanted to encourage his people at this particular time. Now, what is the significance of this? If you go back to chapter 1, this is four weeks later. Four weeks later. So here you are in chapter 1, Haggai encouraged the people. And so the people responded, we will obey God. The people responded with the fear of the Lord. The people responded with eagerness. They went to the hills. They got wood. They began to bring it to the temple. And now they're rebuilding the temple. But after four weeks, they look at what they've seen. They look at what they're building and they're really discouraged. I mean, this is not working. Wala naman nangyayari masyado. Have you experienced that in your own life? That You know, if you're at that point, that you're actually in the middle of your obedience. You know, you've started obeying God and, and yet things are not yet turning out well. This is the word of the Lord for you. So for the same people, for those of you who need encouragement at this juncture in your obedience, in the way that you're walking with God, and you need encouragement because things are not working out the way that God promised them to, or at least you thought God promised them to, or at least from the word that you're holding on to, and you, you're, you're really, in a sense, disillusioned. This word is for you. In the 21st day of that particular month, it's interesting that after four weeks, when they saw the temple that they're building, and they realized this work is taking too long. You know, we, we don't exactly know the sentiments, but that, that could have been part of it. Or maybe this work is too hard. I'm not able to tend to my fields. I'm not able to give attention to the needs of my home after four weeks of working on this. Or the older ones. The older ones would look at it and say, this is not how the temple of Solomon was built. This, was, this is nowhere near the glory of the temple that we've seen with our own eyes. Time frame. Around 586 BC, that was the time that Judah, the southern kingdom, you know, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom composed of ten tribes, which is generally termed Israel. And then the southern kingdom, which is composed of two tribes, Judah and a small part of Benjamin. These two tribes, Judah, this this was initially ravaged by the Assyrians already two centuries prior. And then around 586 BC, this was now ravaged by the Babylonians. So here they were. They were in Babylon, exiled. And then at that point of exile, Jeremiah would give a message to them. 70 years shall be counted for you. And then true enough, 50 years later, 50 years later, the first batch of exiles began to come back to Judah, to Jerusalem. And then they began rebuilding the temple. But after 16, but they stopped. And then finally Haggai comes in 16 years later. So imagine this now. This is 66 years after the initial exile. This is around 520 BC. For those of you who need that kind of context, I, I thought that might be helpful for you. So now we're at 66 years after the exile. And then it's been 16 years since the work of the temple stopped. And here they were, they started again, and then after four weeks, they're still discouraged. And there's a specific significance to this particular day. This is the same day when Solomon finished building that first temple. So this is like the 440th anniversary. So you, could you imagine that? We're trying to build the temple again. After four weeks, we're already discouraged. 
And then there are those of us of that generation who saw the building of the temple and they understood this is that same day, that anniversary of when the temple was finished. What does God have to say? The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now and then speak to three layers. The political leader, Zerubbabel. The religious leader, that would be Joshua. And then finally to all the people. So these were, this was the remnant that came back to Judah or to Jerusalem. And then he says, verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes affirming what the older people have actually seen? Now, you might say, are they still alive? Well, if this is 66 years later, those who have been exiled, let's say 10 years old, when they were exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon, then they would be 76. They'd probably still be strong and alive, right? And then they would have seen the glory of the of the Temple of Solomon. The Temple of Solomon is one of the most magnificent structures ever built on the earth. With the description that you find in the Old Testament in terms of how it was overlaid with gold everywhere. It was like, you know, when the sun strikes the Solomon's Temple and it's on top of a hill, it's literally like a shining lamp. It's something that the people who are traveling from afar, they see it from afar. That shining thing, that's the Temple of Solomon. That's the Temple and that's where we're going. When they go through their pilgrimages, every time they gather together, at least three times a year. So imagine now this old generation looking at this temple and say, sira-sira naman to. Parang pambihira, wala naman tong kapupuntahan. Magiging maayos ba to? Tsaka bali-bali ko, hindi maayos yung pagkakagawa. At tsaka kulang tayo ng tao, tsaka kulang tayo ng resources, at tsaka wala tayong gold, wala tayong silver, wala tayong bronze, wala tayong precious stones. And all of those were part of the magnificence of Solomon's temple. And then this was God's message to them. And I pray that you may receive this too. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people. God was speaking to them and saying, it's been four weeks. You're discouraged. And this seems to be nowhere near what you saw it to be from before. And yet, be strong, political leaders. Be strong, religious leaders. Be strong, community. Be strong. Let us all build this together. If you're in the middle of your obedience and you're discouraged and it seems like it's not working, my friend, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Three times the Lord repeats it through the prophet Haggai. Three times. This is the same word that was used for Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, you'd see that, right? Three times the Lord also says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. So in Joshua, it was translated be strong and courageous. Here, it's just translated be strong. But it's the same word and the same uh, and the same connotation, the idea that, hey, this is not just, this is about you being courageous once again. This is about you realizing, setting your face like flint like that and saying, I'm going to do this. This is going to be done. This is going to be finished. I'm going to do this. Now, that's easy for us to say, not easy for them to do. If you see a, an, an, you know, a half-eaten cookie on your table, what would you do? No, not in a restaurant. If it's in a restaurant, you do, wouldn't want to touch that, right? But if it's on your dining table, and you know it's been, say, uh, our, our daughter cooks, uh, sorry, bakes cookies. So we, we love it each time. It's nice dessert, especially over the weekend. And then we would uh, quarrel over it too, okay? Especially over the remaining ones. So if I would see a half-eaten cookie in the middle of the table, it's either I can, you know, I'll, I'll ask, whose is this? Kanino to? Ayos. 
Pag walang sumagot, dibs. Alright? Finders keepers. Okay. Sa akin na to, wala nang makakaalam. Okay? Ako nang bahala rito. There will be no evidence. Okay? I'll make sure that every crumb okay, is taken care of. The idea that if you see something unfinished, there's a natural tendency for us to finish it. That's an encouragement for those of you in the middle of obedience and yet you're discouraged. I know you're tempted to stop. I know you're tempted to question God. I know you're tempted to give this up and say Christianity does not work. But you haven't seen it yet through the end. What is in store for you through the end? We're going to see that also in this passage, what God has prepared for you through the end. But the encouragement for us is this. If you see that half-finished cookie, come on, devour the rest of it. Let's get into it. Let's eat the rest of it. Do not stop eating the cookie. Do not stop obeying God. Don't stop obeying God in your life, however difficult that obedience may be, and however much faith it takes for you to do it again or to continue to do it. Going back to the passage, it says further in verse 4, and this is now the practical stuff. So after God telling them, be strong. So what will I do now, Lord? Work. Work. Come on! Work! I, no, I, I can't imagine, I, I'm thinking a slave master no, with a whip. Wapa! Work! Come on! Uh, maybe, probably not that. But what was the work they were doing? If you remember, in, in chapter 1, and Pastor Ian mentioned this, they went up to the hills. They got timber. And then they brought it back to the place of the temple. And then they began cutting it and rebuilding the temple. The question, back to you. What does that mean for you? The idea of you aligning your life to build God's house. What does going up to the hills and getting timber and bringing it back to the temple area, what does that mean for you? What is your participation in terms of building God's house? On, on an individual level, you know, is, is that you just getting back into the Word all over again? Maybe we could start there. Maybe that's how you would now align your life once again to the direction of God for your life. For you to be aware once again that God has a purpose for you. For you to once again just start, Lord, would you heal my spirit, heal my soul? Lord, would you realign me, Lord, inside God? Would you do a work of transformation in my heart so that I can begin to take steps towards you again? That I may be drawn to you again. What does that mean for your family? Uh, are there particular things that you can begin to do to make sure that your children are aligned towards God and His purpose for your life? Does that have anything to do with your meal times and the conversations you have there? Does that have anything to do in terms of how you treat your children or you raise them up? What, what the encouragement, the words that come out of your mouth, what does that have to do in terms of you aligning your whole family, certain big decisions? that your family might be, uh, might be about to do, and would those be aligned to God? What does it mean when God tells you, go up to the hills, get wood, and then build my house? What is the contribution or the participation of your life towards building God's kingdom, towards advancing God's kingdom purpose? And as I was uh, preaching this at the Robinson Santa Rosa side, you know, we were talking about, you know, some of you might... This might be the season that you're going to go back to your victory groups, to your life groups again, to just participate again. Lord, I'm excited to begin. Lord, how, no, I, I, I want to begin again. Some of you might need to get back to leading victory groups again because you've taken a pause for a season and really, 
you know, we all go through different seasons of life, but is God telling you now that this could be a time for you to reach out to someone again, to do one-to-one with someone again, to, to restart that boldness in terms of approaching your workmate or your business partner or someone in your family side? What does going up to the hills, bringing down wood, and building God's house mean for you? Work. Keep at it. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and continue it. Work for I am with you. I love that promise. Work for I am with you. And we're going to go back to that in a while. But the idea and the final thing about that, the latter part of that passage says, fear not. The encouragement of God for those of us in the middle of difficult obedience is to work, I'm sorry, is to be strong, to work, and to fear not. When the desired results of our obedience are slow, God encourages us to continue to be strong, to work, and to fear not. To be strong means taking courage. Lord, let's do this. Let's begin again. Let's continue this. To work means to continue in what God asked you to do to be able to build this house because you're trusting as I realign my life towards God's kingdom purposes, then the Lord will be the one to build my house. Very same principle of Matthew 6.33. You seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things. What are all these things? The way you're thinking about your car payments, your house payments, the way you're thinking about that next investment, the way you're thinking about your grades by the end of the semester. And all these things, they will be added to you as well as you now seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Then finally, fear not. The idea of fear is that it's, it's always of something unknown. It's an uncertain thing that will come to you. It can be a real fear. It's, uh, for example, there's an earthquake. That's a real fear. You need to go out there. Okay. We, we'll, we'll need to evacuate someone. That's, that, that's okay. But many times our anxiety and fear is rooted in an anticipation of doom because things are unknown for the future, especially. And you're asking God, Lord, will I still get a job after this pandemic? Will my business still be able to get up again? Well, I mean, I've lost all my clients and I don't even know where I'm. I'm, I'm deep. I'm this neck deep in debt. Lord, and, and, and what does the future hold for me? And you're thinking that. You're, that's your fear. And yet God here says to you now, you're in the middle of obedience. I'll be the one to take care of you. Be strong. Be strong, my son. Be strong, my daughter. Work. Continue to be in faith as you, as you take a step of faith again to do what I've asked you to do. And you fear not, for I will be the one to take care of the things that are beyond your control. Fear not. Fear not, God says. When you're in the middle of that difficult obedience, be strong, work, and then fear not. Let's continue with the passage. That's not yet done. The reason why you can be strong, you can work, and then you will fear nothing is because the Lord is with you. I love this part of the passage because this reminds us of how committed God is to us, even when our own commitments to God are questionable. Let's read that passage. Work for I am with you. The same promise that was given towards the end of chapter 1. Declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you. According to the covenant that I made with you. When God begins to speak about covenant, you really listen. You know why? Because you're about to hear a portion again of His promise. You're about to hear how He leverages that covenant to be able to do great things for your life. A covenant with God is a covenant between a suzerain and a vassal. That would be like the sovereign guy, the big guy, 
And then the vassal, the servant, the subject. These are the kind, this is the covenant that we have with God. Here is God, big guy. Here you are, small guy. And then God initiates. He says, they're the covenant I made with you. God initiates the covenant. And if God initiates the covenant, He's really interested with a covenant relationship with you. And the covenant relationship with God is by definition, by definition, a big part is His, a very small part participation ours because, because we're imperfect. That's the reason why God initiates it. And it is His loving kindness that He offers to you. He wants you to experience His love. He wants you to experience His presence. He wants you to experience His goodness because you are His. You, he loves you. You are His creation, His son, His daughter, and He has initiated a covenant with you. And here you are, you know, God is almost like reminding you, na, hey, 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 you remember, you remember, uh, sorry. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded, I, I don't remember who the guy is, but I'm reminded of that story about Michael Jordan and that guy who just made one point in one particular game. And then this guy claimed, you know, over TV, national TV, and said, that was the night that Michael Jordan and I together made 79 points. But he only made one. So the idea that God does all of the, most of the heavy lifting. This is His covenant with you. And even if you're at a place of unfaithfulness, God remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. He has made this covenant with you and He says, I'm with you. Hindi kita iwanan. Hindi kita papabayaan. Willing ka ba na ma-encourage doon at mapalakas? Willing ka ba na magtrabaho kasi alam mo kasasamahan kita? Willing ka ba na hindi matakot kasi alam, ko, alam mo na my spirit is in your midst? My spirit is in your midst. My spirit. This is one of those early mentions and early validations of the Trinity in the Old Testament. It's amazing how God repeats it and says, I'm with you. My spirit is in your midst. We are to be strong for He is with us according to the covenant He made with us. And mind you, God is not limited. When it comes to him heavy lifting in this covenant relationship that he has with you, God is not limited in any way. And sometimes, sometimes I, I don't know if you've done this in the past. Uh, nakapaglaro, alam niyo pa po ba ang family computer? Nintendo family computer? Mario Brothers. Yan, yan na lang, yan na lang. When I was in high school, I began playing that. And when you're really intense, you press the keypad a lot, right? You, you, you're really intense. You press the keypad a lot. You know, thinking that as the, lo the stronger I press the keypad, the stronger Mario will be. And that's not true at all, right? Just press it a little and then it will be the same Mario, the same jump, the same strength. You see, tayo, our participation in all of this, God's just asking for that tap. Not so much the striving kind of tap. You know, sometimes we feel like if I... I'm stronger, I give this more, and then maybe the results will be bigger. You see, our participation is really so simple. Just go ahead and tap. It will be the same amount of strength because the Lord is the one multiplying it. The little faith that we have combined with the ability and the strength and the omnipotence of God combined together enables Him to overcome the situation through us and for us. We are to be strong for He is with us according to the covenant He made with us. God says, my spirit remains in your midst. I'm pretty excited. I guess that's also the reason why I'm not perspiring. When I think about I, our prayer, you know, as, as, we, as we wind down here, you know, our prayer is that 
you would receive this encouragement from God wherever you might be in your own walk with Him. May you never come to the point of saying that, oh, Christianity does not work for me. No, it does work. Because God is the, on the other side of the covenant. It does work. You will just need to see it through the finish. Because the Lord will be the one to work in you, through you, and for you. Verse 6, for thus says the Lord of hosts. And this is, this is now the promise of God. So you see the temple? It looks like nothing, right? You only have wood. You don't even have nice stone. You don't even have the cedars of Lebanon. You don't even have the gold of Ophir. You don't even have these things. You don't have precious stones at all. But yet, and this is where God comes in and he says, this is where my heavy lifting will come in. Thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory. The treasures of the nations are literally the treasures of the nations. So when God shakes the nations, that's the idea of the wealth transfer from the wicked to the righteous. The point is God will be the one to work on your behalf as you continue to be strong, to work what you can, and to, be, to not be afraid. The Lord will be the one to provide the riches, the things that you feel like, Lord, that's like 90, 95% of all that would be needed. Let me be the one to take care of that. I'll take the nation. If I have to move heaven and earth, to be able to provide for your needs and for the needs of your family, I will. I will shake the nations for you. And when God gave that promise to them, I mean, wow. But more than that, he said, I will fill this with glory. And now glory is different. Precious stones don't give glory. They don't. You know, a lot of gold and silver make it shiny. It just, it's, it's, not, it's not glory glory yet. Glory is his presence. Glory is the same presence that went down on the temple of Solomon when it was inaugurated. Glory is when God steps in with his very presence. You see, the Lord will not only provide for the needs, the needs that are attendant to your... That's difficult to describe. But that is his presence coming alongside. That's him. You realize, Lord, I'll be strong. I'll believe, Lord, for my son, Lord, to be able to get back to the family. I'll believe for reconciliation. Lord, I will be strong. God, I'm encouraged today. Lord, I will work. I will forgive. Lord, I will take the step, the first step. I will initiate love. Lord, I will, I will take the first step of contacting him. Lord, I will initiate. Lord, I will work. And I will fear not. Lord, I'm afraid how he will respond. I will fear not. Lord, I will do it. I'll be strong. I'll work and I'll fear not. And then God, will you be the one to provide? Would you be the one to work the other end of the line? Would you be the one to provide and let your glory come in? And before you know it, the Lord shall reconcile the hearts of the sons to their fathers. That's God's glory, stepping into your situation. That's tangible. That's something that you will know when it hits you, when the glory of God hits the situation and you go back and say, whoa, this could only have been done through prayer. This is something that I could not have produced by my own ability and strength. This is something that only God can do. God has revealed His glory. God will sustain you. God will sustain the work that you do, that work of obedience by providing what is needed and revealing His glory alongside you. I hope that's something that's concrete enough for all of us. To summarize all of that, the encouragement for each of us is to continue in your work for God. For He is with you and He will strengthen you. I'd like to ask these three, uh, I'd like to ask along these three lines. What do these three words now mean for you in your situation? What does it mean to be strong? Does that mean waking up again tomorrow? 
and believing in faith that the Lord will be the one to sustain this work of obedience? Does that mean, what, what does that mean for you? Does that, does that mean going back to the Word and just receiving encouragement again from the Word of God, you know, as you wake up tomorrow and face the, this coming week, even though it's almost insurmountable or like the dead end that you're facing is just immovable? What does being strong mean? Does that mean worshiping God and just reveling in His promise again and saying, God, I just trust you again. Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith again. I'm going to continue in this work you've called me to do. What does work mean? The last thing that God told you to do, keep on doing it. Will you be willing to persist in that direction to be, to be indomitable? To have an indomitable spirit to, to never stop, to not stop. Lord, I will persevere. Lord, even though it's killing me to even continue to do this. Lord, I do this by faith. I will work. I will work, God. I will work. And then I pray that God would give you such a huge assurance that you have nothing to fear. Why? I love this part. This is his promise. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Now, as far as God is concerned, he can progress things. He can make things better. And you thought you lost some, but then as you enter into this next season of our life, after these two years of ravaging pandemic, would you be willing to take a step, to take a perspective of faith and say, God, the latter glory will be greater. Lord, I have no basis for that whatsoever. My business is still down. I've been bankrupt. My three companies are all down. Lord, I have no basis at all. But because you said so, the latter glory, what you have in store as I, um, as I uh, derive my strength from you, as I work and as I not fear, as I fear not, Lord, as I trust you, Lord, I will trust that you will be the one to provide for everything you need. You step into my life and reveal your glory and the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. The Lord will do even greater things way beyond what you thought would be done or could be done for your situation. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.